welcome to Ad Creeps, a podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. I'm Courtney, and I'm here with my best bud, Al. Hello. And this is the second episode of our Despicable May. Wah, 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 wah. Thank you. I needed you to hype that. Yeah, it's despicable. 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 <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty despicable. Ooh. Because I just shoveled a lot of sushi in my mouth. Yeah. And it dribbled all over me. You, it, you're a messy boy. I'm a messy, dirty boy. Okay. Wow. I'm a messy, That's spicy energy. <laughs> and I just had a spicy roll. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm a messy, dirty, despicable boy. In the same way that <laughs> the topics covered in Despicable May are. And hey, here's the thing. Today, I'm going to talk to you about another just dirty, oh no, messy, <laughs> messy boy. Oh boy, I'm excited. But what? Before you yeah? launch into your dirty, messy boys. <laughs> I have so many of them. Oh, boy. I would like to give a shout out to some wonderful people. What? That have supported us through our Kofi. Our Kofi. I'd like to advertise how much we love our listeners. So thank you to Toby and Ian. Thank you for supporting us, help uh, helping us put some money towards our hosting fees. You are so lovely, and we are so glad to have you. I heard, okay, what do you think, Toby and Ian? Mm-hmm. What do you think their dirty sushi <laughs> roll order is? <laughs> I bet you it's crab. <laughs> and maybe a very hungry caterpillar roll. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think caterpillars are cute. I think crabs are dirty. You think crabs are dirty? Yeah, they eat everything. Crabs you can't kill. You cannot kill crabs and everything evolves to crab. Yeah. Crab is the universal. It's crab all the way down. And you know what, Toby and Ian? You're crab all the way down. You're crab. We're crab. Everybody's crab, baby. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. And you know what else you were going to appreciate? What? Despicableness. Ooh, despicable May. If you did not listen to our last episode, in the month of May, we talk about the worst of the worst. Yeah. The despicable. The real, really bad guys. And you think, hey, you know what? Al and Courtney have done a lot of bad guys. We've done some bad guys. <laughs> but these are the bad guys. Like the, you know, like both the Billie Eilish song and the movie with that song in the trailer. Oh. The bad guys. I, I, I saw, I went to the movie and saw the poster with, of that. <laughs> with the of, hot wolf. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Also, friends, we are recording at 7.55 p.m., which means... It's about to get silly. It's going to get... <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Espara Oscar de Corti was born April 3rd, 1904 in southwestern Louisiana. <gasps> wow, that was a lot of... that. I went places with that sentence. Yeah, you did, and I felt like it needed a sort of a... Um, a gasp. Thank you. Because it is despicable. <gasps> despicable. Ooh. I, w- I wanted to do a spit take, but you wouldn't really be able to get it. <laughs> All over. That would be truly despicable. <laughs> that would be despicable. All over my nice mic that we both share. <laughs> His mother, Francesca, grew up in Sicily among a family of wine growers. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> also very despicable. <laughs> 
and had an arranged marriage to Oscar's father, Antonio, an Italian immigrant living in New Orleans. Mm. Just 10 years before Francesca arrived in the States, Louisiana had been home to a mass lynching of 11 Italian Americans after the murder of a popular police chief. That's no good. No, we're starting off despicable. Yeah, it's very bad. This was one of the worst lynchings uh, in American history. It's in the top 10. uh, And um, it was nasty. It sounds it. Anti-Italian sentiment was still alive and well as Oscar grew up. His parents struggled to keep the small grocery store that they ran afloat. And in 1909, Antonio fled to Texas after being threatened extortion by the Italian Black Hand Society. Now, what's that? I had to look this up because I'm like, the the ones what killed uh, Franz Ferdinand? (laughs) I think different. Different, okay. I think different. uh, These were uh, Italian, like, mob. And their whole thing was just extortion. Okay. Okay. and I realized, like, why would they name themselves after another, like, a Serbian nationalist group? And yeah. the answer is, Black Hand, the Black Hand just sounds cool. Yeah, it's, you, you <laughs> sort of immediately, I think, get a pirate vibe. Yeah, oh, yeah. Love yeah. a pirate vibe. One Black Hand glove. That's it. Do you imagine? Yeah. That's it. Pretty That's cool. All. Pretty cool. I'd be extorted by them. <laughs> Francesca soon faced the seizure of her business, and five-year-old Oscar was without a father. Oh, poor Oscar. It's okay. He's fine. Okay. He'll be fine. Okay. He'll be fine. Oh. (laughs) No. Well, Francesca married again and moved the family to Orange, Texas, to work on an oil refinery. Oh. Oscar and his two brothers, Frank and Joseph, made the journey out to California to start a new life instead. They changed their last names from DeCorti to a more Americanized Cody. Frank and Joseph found work as background extras, but soon drifted into other types of work. Oscar landed his first four uncredited roles in the backgrounds of westerns. Oh. Each time playing an indigenous character. Oh, no. Here we are. Oh, oh, bother. (laughs) Oh, bother is right. (laughs) Soon he claimed that his father was Cherokee. And his mother was Cree, a story that would change to include naming several different tribes and places of birth while throughout the rest of his long acting career. But, you know, people, they just, they say a lie and then they just double down on it and they just keep going. This man, this man is doubling and tripling down. (laughs) He very much is. There is uh, a lot, well, in my sources, there'll be a lot of articles about him. Um, We're we're gonna, he's a complicated guy. We're gonna talk to him. Uh, We're going to talk to him? Yeah, here here he is now. No, no. No, he's dead. No. He's dead. (laughs) Even while offset, especially when there were photographers around, he wore his on-screen wardrobe daily, (laughs) including beaded moccasins, fringe leathers, and even a braided wig. Why you would do this? It'd be so, first of all, very sweaty. Oh, In the wig all the time. Wigs are sweaty. Wigs are sweaty. He got his job. It's like he got his first jobs being something that he wasn't. Yeah. He's like, like, I'll lean into this. Well, I'm never going to get other jobs. I'm never going to get other jobs. (laughs) In this film industry. (laughs) (laughs) This is during a a time in Hollywood where it's just Western. Yeah. Like coming out of the wazoo. That's all we want. We want the gunslingers. We want the gunslingers. We want the horses. We want the Roy Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) He's here. He's here. He also changed his name to 
Iron Eyes Cody. Oh. And we would be billed as such in over 200 films. Okay. (laughs) Each of which he played an indigenous character. This included movies with John Wayne. Oh. Roy Rogers. Brother. Steve McQueen. Richard Harris. And the podcast favorite, Jim Varney. Oh. I mean, on one hand, I'm absolutely not shocked that they didn't bother to hire an actual indigenous person. Well, they thought they were hiring an indigenous person. Oh. That's the thing. That's a good point. Because <laughs> he was like, that's me. That's me. Me? That's me. And yes. so they were like, we, this is accurate. This and- is accurate. <laughs> Yeah, and he, as we can tell, uh, in the, which is going to be the rest of the story, was not was was um like to lean into the quote unquote accuracy. Ah, uh, not good. Not, not good. good. Not good. By the way, it blew my mind that he was in a movie with Jim Varney. Yeah, as you know, Ernest. Mm-hmm. Ernst. Ernst. He was in Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh, which is funny because this this guy was born in 1904. Yeah. And started in the movies in, like, the late 20s. He would be so old. He was so old. So old. So old. At that point, come on, At just come point, clean. I, well, or he just forgot. <laughs> he forgot. He, he forgot he was Italian. He forgot he was Sicilian. I guess. <laughs> if you're that old, I guess you just forget. Mamma mia, who can say? <laughs> Yeah, he kept saying that on on set. He kept saying, they're like, well, I guess that's old Cherokee. (laughs) Oh, boy. Cody was also featured in over 100 TV specials and series, even including an appearance in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood featuring actual indigenous dancers. Oh, no. So they brought in powwow dancers. And were they like, who's this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Who's he? So where you get, like, your regalia or that? Look, he just said Mamma Mia. And (laughs) And everyone was like, okay. (laughs) Must be Lakota. I don't know. (laughs) Even the Joni Mitchell song, Lakota, features Cody, quote unquote, chanting. Well, come on now. (laughs) Joni Mitchell's like, I guess. (laughs) Joni Mitchell's like, I'm not looking into this. (laughs) No one did. No, absolutely. Literally no one. No, 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 no. I guess it's like, after the war, they're like, I guess, sure. Sure. And people nowadays are like, anyone can play anyone in the movies. Why are you so serious about Well, because Uh, of this. Because of this. As far as Hollywood knew, Iron Eyes Cody was indigenous, and Cody was very careful to keep that falsehood up. And it was good for his own business. By the 1960s and 70s, he had courted the market on playing the, quote, Hollywood native. It was during this same time when Cody teamed up with the Ad Council of America and another NGO that also isn't all that meets the eye. Interesting. We took a turn. We took a turn. First, also, Cody, despicable. Despicable. But that's not the despicable what? May that we're going into. Oh my God. It's a whole new May. (laughs) It's a whole new May. (laughs) Keep America beautiful. Oh. 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 (laughs) <laughs> that was beautiful, though, what we it just was. did. It was. We harmonized. Keep America Beautiful was the nation's largest volunteer-based community action and education organization. Founded in 1953, the org partnered with a number of state recycling organizations to, quote, 
support our mission of engaging individuals to take greater responsibility for improving their community environment. Mm, yes. We gotta keep it beautiful. We gotta, you know, plastics, they can be recycled. That's what the oil companies say. Oh, interesting you say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you read the same pamphlet that they handed out. <laughs> or just a lot of recent articles. <laughs> It was not a coincidence that Keep America Beautiful began its work during the time when single-use throwaway bottles started to capture an ever-growing percentage of the market. We didn't add creeps on it. We did. We talked about the water. We talked about the water in the (laughs) bottles. The pet bottles? Pet G? Yeah, pet. Pet. Why do we keep saying pet? Polyurethane. Polyurethane. Toit. Maybe. I don't remember. Sure. I don't remember. I do an ad creep and the next day it's out of my head. And that's the point of doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) No, these things haunt us. Yeah. This also meant that single-use bottles and cans were also making up a larger percentage of the garbage fill heap. Mm-hmm. In response to concerns about quickly growing landfills and larger plumes of air pollution from incinerators, bottle bills began to pop up across the states by the 1970s, requiring a two to five cent deposit on beer and soft drink bottles. Now, I never thought about this. Mm-hmm. Deposits like to pay extra on the cans is an incentive for you to recycle them. Yeah, because you get the money back. Because you get the money back. I don't... I. Never thought about it that way. Yeah. that's It started here now. And this is why uh, our producer, um, he has a, a, what I like to call a closet of secrets. Oh. Where he piles like a little chipmunk piling yeah. his acorns. <laughs> he, he piles orange juice bottles. That's. It has like 20 of them in there. That's very good. <laughs> I like that. But it's for, it's for the deposit. He's like, you got to get a deposit. You, you, you pay on it. You got to get it. That's so interesting. Like, I would, I feel like I would love to have a better understanding of how that came about and then the journey from that initiative to, like, the way that, you know, recycling cans and bottles has now become, like, a, a source of income for yeah. unhoused people. I think that's really interesting. That is really interesting. And that's that's the Vancouver Recycle Plan. Yeah. You leave it out. We, you got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. That's you why they guy. got those little pockets on Everyone it. Everyone has a guy. Do you have a guy? I moved last year, so if I have a guy, I haven't met them. Oh. Every Thursday, we got a guy. We had a guy at our old place. We actually had a lovely older woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a guy. That's the Vancouver recycling way. It is. That's why, and that's why uh, our producer has his little orange juice shame underneath. Well, (laughs) the guy won't get those. Well, that's a shame. You should give those to the guy. Seven states were able to pass such laws, but any efforts to pass a national bottle deposit law were killed by soft drink and plastic producer lobbyists who promised that such measures would kill jobs and raise prices. Oh, looks like uh, they didn't kill jobs. (laughs) We have so many jobs, right? They don't pay very well, and these people would be better served, you know, getting helped by the actual government. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Now, here's the here's the pattern of a um, company having, <laughs> would you say, too much power? Oh, yes. Was saying too much power? <laughs> Oopsie-daisy. Actually, government, don't do that, <laughs> says I, a corporation. Okay, you're the boss. Wait. <laughs> a corporation. <laughs> Look, a democracy is made up of people, and sometimes people are corporations. Sometimes people are corporations. They can be sued like a people. <laughs> So they, they, they as a people. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever get to the point where sentient corporations vote? I mean, <laughs> in some ways we already, like they don't vote politically, but. They anti-vote. 
like they kill votes. <laughs> they take <laughs> votes away. <laughs> I mean, if you look at what's happening with Twitter right now, that that board has to vote on whether or oh not my God. the bad man will purchase it. The bad man. You think by the time this is released, he's just he he'll just have it. No, no, no. I think he he'll be dead. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Look, this is Despicable May. We can wish death upon any corporate And if entity. it happens... If it happens... We had no idea. <laughs> or didn't we? No, don't! I don't want to get sued. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Look, the FBI is listening to us every time we record anyway. Okay. They're laughing along with us. They're... They, they're it's, it's, it's Ian from the Kofi. He's our, he's our FBI agent. They would never. They're our FBI agent. <laughs> This is also when publications such as Rachel Carson's Silent Spring prompted a national dialogue about the environmental consequences of unchecked progress. <clears throat> Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Instead of turning to the companies that made single-use products and items that had planned obsolescence, the government turned to passing laws such as the 1965 Highway Beautification Bill. They surely did. Which regulated the number of billboards and junkyards across American highways. Oh. Okay, number one. <laughs> when you pass an American Beautification <laughs> Board, uh, sorry, highway, I would think it would be like the trash. Yeah. It's not the trash. No, it's, it's like, the billboards. It's the billboards and the junkyards. Yeah. Though I do, there are some billboards i do want to throw in the trash oh a lot there's a if you ever drove down the i-5 south from vancouver to like i don't know seattle uh-huh. there's one with an uncle sam on it and he says some stuff he says some stuff there's a lot of board a lot of billboards just being like hey satan hates you <laughs> no satan loves you yeah jesus, no, jesus hates, loves you jesus who loves hates me and who loves me god i don't at this point i cannot <laughs> So many people hate us. Who's my friends to lovers and who's my enemies to lovers? (laughs) Jesus, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. When he announced the passing of the bill, President Johnson said, quote, I want to make sure that the America we see from these major highways is a beautiful America. It's so, it's so, it's so much. It's, it's just a little parade. It's a little happy parade. parade. (laughs) And first of all, the highways are already a problem. Oh, they... (laughs) That's already an issue. Oh, oh, you mean we can't get rid of them? Yeah. Oh, you mean like going through a city, putting a highway through a city and ki- and killing all of the, um, let's see, neighborhood ills that you talk about, <laughs> like Chinatowns, <laughs> Seattle. Sorry. You got them. I got them. Uh, basically, I could say Seattle. I could see any other. You could American say any city. city yeah. I'll, what put a highway through the major city and kill the fucking neighborhood. <sighs> anyway, I, I just got off a road trip. Oh, yeah, you sure did. Yeah. I saw a lot of America's high, major highways. Interesting. I-5, 101. It's the, all numbers to me, the baby. Nine. <laughs> Some of them had big trees. Ooh. Some of them had a lot of ugly billboards <laughs> with Jesus telling me what to do. He's bossy. Yeah, he's bossy. Keep America Beautiful is listed as a 501c3 organization. This means that it is considered a charitable organization, quote, which may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activities. Just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little bit. Hey, you gonna you gonna do a little lobbying? <laughs> you gonna do a little lobbying? It's like a little mouse going to a little a little mouse size lobby. <laughs> Mr. Mouse goes to Washington. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm please keep America beautiful. 
<laughs> this also means it cannot be a lobbying organization. But its list of corporate donors and sponsors may paint a different story. Interesting. Nestle Waters North America, mm. PepsiCo, mm. and Philip Morris USA mm. are some of its current biggest backers. Other sponsors include the Coca-Cola Foundation, McDonald's, the Glad Products Company, and, of course... Our friend and yours, the Dow Chemical Company. These people, they love their plastics. They love, hey, we're going to keep America beautiful by covering it in pet G. Yeah. Pristine. And then we're coming for the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Once we run, up a run out of highway, we're going for the ocean. Yes, Keep America Beautiful is funded almost entirely by members of industry, which are America's number one waste creators. That's why its vision on how to keep pollution to a minimum sidesteps the fact that its sponsors are the ones who are creating the majority of America's trash. Yep. That's despicable. It's disp it's it's can I tell you? What? It's fucking despicable. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's fucking despicable. Now, in Despicable May, one of the things we like to do yes. um, is uh bring in the minions. Yes. Should we just discuss why yeah so um our producer yes uh, loves to tell us oh constantly constantly every and day every day when he when i open my eyes he's there telling me um that the minions canonically <laughs> were in antarctica from 1812 to 1968 i think you mean bononically <laughs> i forgot <laughs> banana but we we now yeah. knowing that knowledge, it's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. Um, the minions work for the worst people. People, wherever, whoever, wherever, whomstever they are. Uh, so, Al, if you want to incorporate the minions, I mean, just not now, but okay. start thinking about. Oh, it. I'm thinking. I've <laughs> I've been thinking about it. <laughs> it's all I can think about. <laughs> it's minions all the way down. Quote. The KAB, Keep America Beautiful approach, is to change in individual attitudes and habits to prevent littering in the first place. You know, in the first place. Yes, littering is the problem. <laughs> it's littering, actually. It's, it's when you take the cans and the plastics and you put them on the ground, and that's the that's problem. That's the problem. Actually, Al, after three years of research into the origin of litter... KAB learned that litter is a behavioral problem. It is not the product's fault. <laughs> it is not the product's fault that it is misplaced in the environment. It is the carelessness of the user of that product. You know, much like a corporation can be a person, a product <laughs> also can be a person. No, 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 no. It's not its fault. <laughs> Oh, for me. We don't want to do anything. I didn't want to be here. Oh, someone just put me on the ground. <laughs> and I'm here and I don't like it. Pick it up, take it home. <laughs> Give it alone. With, with all the other orange bottles. You're cold, they're cold. <laughs> How does that Coca-Cola can feel? <laughs> have you been noticing that um, the new... Now in Canada, we have like the, the litter... In the landscape was usually Tim Hortons cups. Yeah, it's been quickly replaced by masks. Yeah, all a lot over, of masks. All over. No one's no one's drinking Timmy's anymore. And you know, <laughs> the thing about those masks is, yeah, hmm? it's a safety hazard. <laughs> you got all of your germs in there. You just throw it on the side of the road. Yeah, That's who wants to pick it good. up? Who it's wants to pick it good. up? 
Look, the seagulls will take care of it. The seagulls are going to get COVID. (laughs) They'll think it's a jellyfish or whatever. Those sea turtles, they'll take care of it, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So while bottle bills and anti-trash laws popped up around the country, environmentalists like the National Wildlife Federation, the Audubon Society, and the Sierra Club were trying to pull Keep America Beautiful to become more active in stopping the source of trash. Mm. But the organization's industry backers were, quote, pulling in the opposite direction. This meant that KAB spent millions of dollars the majority of which came from companies that produce the most plastics, in attempt to place the blame of America's trash problem on, quote, the litter bug. The litter bug. Was there anything worse <laughs> yeah, when the, we were growing up? Yeah, the jitter bug. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know that Audubon Society, my parents had a lot of their books. Oh, really? I thought it was just birds. Is it just birds? It's a lot of birds. It's just a lot of I birds. I don't know if it's all birds. I don't remember. Okay. Because I, I thought, Audubon Society, why are you getting up all in this? But <laughs> I guess... the birds, they eat the... Pl- they eat the plastic. They eat the plastic. This is why we were taught as kids to cut the little plastic rings <laughs> or a seagull was going to get right in there. Yeah. And a dolphin. I was less concerned about the dolphin. Well, people were always talking to us about the dolphin. How can you fit a dolphin through one of the those nose. plastic things? The nose. <laughs> They're smart. They can get out of it. Look, I have a little chip on my shoulder. Yeah, you don't like dolphins. dolphins. I hate dolphins. They're rude. They're rude dudes with attitude. <laughs> hate them. They're real Barts. <laughs> They're real Barts. Maybe the Bart in me sees the Bart in them. I don't like it. In order to convey the message that America should clean up after themselves, Keep America Beautiful teamed up with the American Ad Council to place industrial shame squarely on the shoulders of the people. From 1961 to 1965, the Ad Council worked with corporate sponsor and aluminum and packaging giant Reynolds Metal Company to put out a group of radio ads to make Americans know that they were the number one cause of trash. You're telling me, you're saying, hey, pick up your little, pick up your little cup and you're shitting out pounds of dioxin into the Passaic. I won't have it. (laughs) Reynolds specifically (laughs) hates the Passaic. (laughs) Hates it. It's just like Reynolds wrap, right? That's just a plastic film. (laughs) Look, Reynolds doesn't want you using its product to put it over the toilet so when someone pees, it bounces off. (laughs) But that's very But it's very funny. good. That's not trash. That's gold. That's treasure. Quote. This is the this is the one of the ads, by the okay. way. Okay. Quote. One by one the litter bits grow and every little bit hurts. Hurts the beauty of America. So I'm trying a Sam the Eagle thing. I hate it. <laughs> hurts the budget of American taxpayers. Your tax money. Millions of dollars every year go down the drain. Because one by one, the litter bits pile up. And who's to blame? Millions of good citizens with the bad habit of unconscious littering. Carelessness. Thoughtlessness. These are the underlining reasons for the overwhelming mess that litters the American scene. So, think before you throw. If I may express myself. Please. Ah! (laughs) That's the worst fucking garbage. Uh, put that in the trash. Actually, you're costing you money. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
it goes to the top. You're costing yourself your own tax money because you're throwing away the products that we refuse to manufacture using any other substances. Ow. Why are you hitting yourself? Corporations don't pay taxes. (laughs) I've been taught this. They don't have to. This this is the why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> this, is, this is the ad. We don't pay taxes, so it's hurting you. <laughs> From 1967 to 1969, nice, corporate sponsorship of the, <laughs> of the campaign switched from Reynolds to Best Foods. A division of the Corn Product Sales Company. Tell me more. You gotta love American companies. Tell me more about the Shell Corporation. (laughs) Corn products? (laughs) Based in the Seychelles? Well, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Over $22 million were put into more jingles and radio ads. (sighs) By the summer of 69, nice. 64%. Not so nice. Of America's radio listening audience had listened to a Keep America Beautiful ad campaign on the radio. It's actually 5% less nice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I had to do a little calculation. (laughs) Nice. Then Keep America Beautiful was challenged by actual environmentalist action. The first Earth Day took place on April 22nd, 1970. Earth Day. It's like Arbor Day, but for the whole thing. (laughs) Not just for the trees anymore, (laughs) baby. We got trees. We got birds. Audubon Society, you in? Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) Not dolphins. They're not welcome. Oh, no. But their noses. (laughs) (laughs) It took place on blah, 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 and would symbolize a growth in activism and a push to make environmentalism a part of the national agenda over the next decade. But only the next decade. Well, it really worked, huh? (laughs) Like, we had Kyoto. Took right off. We had Kyoto. We signed it. And we were like, hey, if we don't do something, we're going to have some problems. (laughs) And you know what? It's a good thing we did something. It's a good thing we did something, is all I'm saying. (laughs) So despicable. Yeah. On that day, over 1,500 colleges held Earth Day teach-ins. Activists gathered in front of government and corporate offices. Demonstrators poured oil into the reflecting pool at Standard Oil headquarters. Which Fuck was, yeah. Which was just asking for it. Fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> Protesters piled dead fish on industrial steps in New York to show what the polluted Hudson River had caused. Dead fish. Dead fish. Dead fish. Dead fish. Shouldn't have dumped all those TV videotapes in there. Is that what they dumped? Well, remember we did the, with the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, it just, you know what? Once we do it, just out of my bar. Uh, from the Muriel Cigars episode. Yeah, we sure. Oh. <laughs> the lost tapes are in Hudson, the Hudson River, yeah. and it ch- a fish choked on it. <laughs> Dennis Hayes, a national coordinator of Earth Day, spoke about the true meaning of the day. Quote, I suspect the politicians and businessmen who are jumping on the environmental bandwagon don't have the slightest idea what they're getting into. They are talking about filters on smokestacks while we are challenging corporate irresponsibility. They are bursting with pride about plans for total inadequate sewage treatment plants. We are challenging the ethics of a society that, with only 6% of the world's population, account for more than half the world's annual consumption of raw materials. Mm -hmm. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. 
1971 Keep America Beautiful ad had to be bold and substantial now that the people were questioning how much corporate greenwashing really changed things. Oh, greenwashing never worked. Uh, what? I think greenwashing is when Boston fills the river with green. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> and kills a bunch of fish. A new corporate sponsor, the American Can Company. <laughs> These are all real folks. <laughs> Shell corporations. <laughs> hey girl, where'd you get that ass? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, was brought on as was a new ad agency, Mars Stellar Inc. The ad would be broadcast on television and would feature a new slogan: "People start pollution. <laughs> People can stop it." <laughs> Well, what's wrong with that? Well, <laughs> how long do you have? <laughs> well, we're already going long and signifying the move from anti-littering to a bigger problem, anti-pollution. The corporations know. They litter, know. Litter bugs, I guess, ain't no shit. Pollution, <laughs> bad. Quote, our hope is to show all people from cab drivers to corporate presidents. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to corporate presidents. That pollution control is an individual responsibility. <laughs> I am so mad. Said W. Howard Chase, the American Can Company's vice president of public affairs. Uh, you know, cab drivers don't have vice presidents of public affairs. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. W. Howard Chase. Where'd you get that ass? The bank? <laughs> Wait. Like Chase Bank. Oh. No, the American can. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ad would be filmed on the roads and waters off the coast of San Francisco. On those same waters, at the same time this ad campaign was developed, indigenous activists were on Alcatraz Island as part of a 19-month occupation. This modern-day keystone of the land back movement sought to challenge the legacies of colonialism and contest contemporary injustices. These indigenous activists presented themselves not as the past tense Native Americans stuck in settler history books, but as contemporary citizens laying claim to their own land. The Alcatraz activists sought to show the realities of indigenous lives erased by anachronistic image of the Native American who populated white settler popular culture in Hollywood, mm. most of which who are not indigenous at all. This is maybe why Keep America Beautiful wanted their 1971 campaign to feature an indigenous actor. And when America needed an indigenous actor, it usually called on one man, mm. who, as we know, was distinctly non-indigenous. Iron Eyes Cody. Well... Well, here we are. Do you know this commercial? Do you I have, do. Yeah, okay. The final commercial, one that won several major awards for excellence in advertising, features Cody paddling a canoe through the very waters where the Alcatraz was under reclamation. He is clad in his on-set fringe leather as he walks down the road. Someone from off-screen tosses a bag of trash from a moving car. The garbage spills onto the moccasins of Cody, and the camera zooms into his face. He sheds a tear for the camera. This is another one of those ones that I think I probably wouldn't know about if it hadn't been on The Simpsons. I, that is so interesting. I wonder if our producer feels the same way. 
Oh. Because he learned largely most of popular culture through The Simpsons. Yeah. Was there things that you saw from The Simpsons and you're like, oh, that's a reference to a famous movie? Well, not, not like... Not that I already knew the movie existed. No. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But I'd be like, oh, that must be ah, something. That must be something. And if, This must be something. If I had Wikipedia as a kid, I probably would have gone Gosh, and looked it up. If we had Wikipedia as kids, we'd be unstoppable. <laughs> we didn't use a Rolodex. Or we'd spend an hour looking at something or, absolutely uh, yeah. unrelated to anything. Like I did. Oh, it's just us. <laughs> yeah. It's just us now. The ad was played so often that stations actually wore out the tapes. Wow. The PSA was a tremendous hit, and the image of Iron Eyes Cody cemented itself into settler America's popular culture. The fake Native American was now the image America's Americans most associated with indigenous culture. Quote, my thought on the weeping Native ad is that it's the single most obnoxious commercial ever produced, said Ted Williams, contributing editor of the Audubon magazine. <laughs> An organization that had originally pulled its support of Keep America Beautiful when it was obvious it was in the pockets of corporate polluters. It strikes me as the ultimate exploitation of Native Americans. First, we kicked them off their land, then we trashed it, and now we've got them whoring for the trash makers. I should think someone would complain. <laughs> I would imagine people Thank did. you, Mr. Williams. <laughs> in 1996, uh, journalist Angela Elise published a piece in the New Orleans Time Picante paper that finally unpeeled Cody's non-Indigenous history from his image. Elise interviewed Cody's remaining family members, including his half-sister, May Abshire, and also dug into Cody's hometown parish records. His Italian heritage became public knowledge. Quote, for Iron Eyes, Hollywood became a comfortable escape from his unsettling past. Even after his history wasn't revealed, Cody refused to admit the truth behind it. He continued to wear his braided wig, headdress, and moccasins. He tore it on lecture circuit, quote, reminding indigenous people of their traditions and admonishing them against gambling and the use of alcohol. Uh, That's my third yell in this episode. (laughs) Only three? Wow, we're doing great. Uh, Quote, my foremost endeavor have been with the help of the great spirit to dignify my people's image through humility and the love of my country, he later told the press. If I have done that, then I have done all I need to do. You're Italian. <laughs> You're Italian. <laughs> Mamma <just>, mia. <laughs> he's just so old. He's so old. He's just like, nope, I'm I just, guess I'm not letting go I woke of this up, one. I woke up with these moccasins. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> Ugh. Wow. And I'm not even going to get into the use of um, false na- indigenous heritage. Yeah. Uh, and the perversion of using that as a perceived stepping stone when at the same time people who are indigenous are being fucking... Ugh. Yeah, it's there's, there's a lot to unpack. There's so much to unpack. We're just talking about trash here, folks. We're just opening up one part of the... The wound. The container. Oh, boy. Keep America Beautiful kept up its own charade as well. In 1998, it released another ad featuring Cody. This is This is two years after they're like, hey, he's not indigenous. (laughs) This one was called Back by Popular Neglect. What? The ad featured commuters leaving garbage at a bus stop. As the commuters get on the bus, the camera focuses on the trash. Then up at a poster on the window of a bus shelter. 
there Cody is, still crying. <sighs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of this guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired about everyone. <laughs> Scholars and environmentalist groups have deep concerns that this PSA is used as a cornerstone of America's perception of pollution. It's this popular imagery that stressed individual decisions and actions, but completely ignored other more important explanations for the pollution problem. In actuality, the, quote, decisions made by corporate and government leaders accounted for the majority of the nation's environmental problems. When questioned about Keep America Beautiful and the Crying Native ad, the ad cancel statement read, quote, KAB takes no position on any legislation, including that involving beverage containers. The organization does not lobby, nor does it challenge, counter, or argue any organizations that do take active legislative positions. Furthermore, it is not the rule of the Ad Council to address policy or legislation to regulate corporations. I'd like to ask them much in the way that I would sometimes like to ask my boss. Yeah? Okay, so what do you, like, do then? <laughs> you? What do you? Like, what do you do? What's your... Like, what do you do, though? What's your feelings about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Cody passed away in 1999 at the age of 94. His last words still paid homage to a culture he believed in but was never a part of. Come on now. <laughs> Sorry, it's despicable. We're going to hear this fucking jackass's last words. Quote, Make me ready to stand before you with clean and straight eyes. When life fades, as the fading sunset, may our spirits stand before you without shame. Did he, like, ever talk to indigenous people? Or was oh, this yeah, all, all just, time. like, straight off the dome? No, all, no, no. So he, he was very involved in indigenous... Uh, politics. He married an indigenous uh, scientist and actually adopted two indigenous kids. But the, the big thing is his image of how he portrayed indigenous culture was har- like it was harmful. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's it that absolutely. very much like anthropological in the past. Yeah, like, and also exactly. extremely homogenized. Yeah. Idea. At the same time, real indigenous people are on Alcatraz saying, yeah. uh, we're here and we're not in your history books. We're not dead. You tried to kill us. We're still here and we'd like our land back. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, no, no, thank you. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, that's despicable. That's a bad man. It's all, hey, it's bad man. It's, it's bad. It's, it's bad, bad to keep America beautiful. It's bad America, <laughs> folks. Folks. Okay. Uh, let's see the ad. Let's see the ad. And then we'll. We'll polish it off. And then we'll. Polish up the minions. We'll return after these messages. Some people have a deep, abiding respect for the natural beauty that was once this country. And some people don't. People start pollution. People can stop it. Welcome back to the show. Okay. 
So. Okay, let's just, I kind of described the ad. Yeah, we, we see Cody, uh, he's uh, canoeing in the the San Francisco Bay. Yeah. We're seeing trash on the water, we're seeing trash on the shoreline, we're seeing industrial sort of filth background. You know those are probably just crab factories. <laughs> That's all San Francisco Well, you has. said crab is nasty. <laughs> they are nasty. <laughs> crab factories and boudin. Yeah. The, the bread company, mm. or boudin. Boudin. They're American. Uh, they love their bread bowls. By the way, can I tell you? <laughs> Please. Those bread bowls were walking out of there. <laughs> <laughs> like, nine, we were there 9 o'clock at night. Bread bowl full of chili. <laughs> bread bowl full of chatter. Bread bowl full of chili. <laughs> like, oh, my it just God. Was, and they're huge. They're as big as your head. I would live in a bread bowl. <laughs> you could, if you're a hamster, you could make a little house in there. I would. Boy, anyway. Uh, yeah, so we got we got the filth, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, we see him, he's on the highway, yeah. someone throws a bag of trash <laughs> right at him. It gets me every time. And then he's got that little tear. And he's like, no. No, oh, dang. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> uh, so in my version. Yeah. Well, in the real version. In the real What version. really happened with the minions. Yeah. Is that, okay, so you see, first you see, like, two of them, and they're in a rowboat, and they're going down the Passaic. Yeah. They're, okay, they're in the Passaic. Yeah. I like this. And you see all the, like, you know, you got, like, Dow Chemical and Monsanto and stuff on the on the okay, sides. Okay, hold on. How many fish could a minion eat? None. <laughs> they, they shouldn't eat any. They'll die. <laughs> They'll, they'll die instantly, which is what happens to the minion that falls out of the rowboat. Oh, he's dead. And then he, like, blub, 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 floats back up to the surface face up. I love it if like he... a fish. If he, if he falls in, he comes back, it's a skeleton. Yeah! That's classic. It. Classic. And then we cut to the... We cut to a roadside. We got yeah. another minion standing there. Yeah. And uh, we, like, pan over, and there's, like, a bunch of trash all over the field, and minions yeah. are picking it up. Yeah. And then we pan back to that minion, and... A, a, like a like a garbage truck backs up behind him. Okay. Beep, beep, beep. And just unloads a pile of trash directly onto him. And then he blinks and you just see his eyes through the pile of trash. Oh, yeah, You love know, like it. in cartoons. Yeah, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, hey, don't litter because minions, it's their job. <laughs> to litter? To pick it up. Oh, to pick it up. Oh, I see. People won't litter because they don't want to hurt the minions. Yeah. I see. And they love those little guys. They, hey. If Facebook is any indication, they love those little guys. But the minions, they're not having a bad time. They're on the payroll of Big Can. It's all a sham, man. And Big Corn. They're getting paid to do this. And Reynolds rap. (laughs) You kidding me? (laughs) I love it. That's good. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think you minionsed up that ad. (laughs) That despicable ad. I feel at least a little better. I feel to you. Yeah, no. no. You want to know what would make me feel better? What? A local ad. I have a local ad for you. That's not despicable. No, if this is a palate cleanser for everyone else so that they can go back to their day without being angry. Yeah, that's or what as I would angry. Like that. As angry. Um, and this is just something to remind you that there is art and beauty and love in the world. Wow. Um, and that there are people making good advertisements for good products. Okay. And it's okay to feel good about them sometimes. Okay. It's, it's not sarcastic. It's okay to feel good about ads sometimes. <laughs> okay, let's see this local ad. If you want to see it, you can check out our sources. Yeah. So. Give me a wave if you like catfish. Jump up if it's your favorite dish. 
Tommy likes ribs and chicken wings. If you like you, let me hear you scream. Way for catfish. Scream for ribs. That's Moo and Oink from Chicago, Illinois. I believe in love again. I believe that there are good, there are people that are making that are selling products that are doing advertisements that aren't a hundred percent fucking evil. They believe in their product. They believe in their product, and they a great a great use of of advertising money. You only you yeah. know you get a thirty second commercial. They made a great use of yeah. it. The lyrics fine. The cow and the pig great. The dance moves. Fantastic. They made me believe I would go there and get amazing service. Yeah. Now, I did get a supermarket sweeps feel to the whole situation. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, there was, a, there was a, a, a person and they were just putting handfuls of meat in a bag. Yeah, but I think he works there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I want those bag full of meats. That well, would, I think you could go buy them. That would rate very high in the supermarket sweeps <laughs> where I'm getting the big things of cheese and the, yeah. the salami and the hams. That's pretty good. When we were on vacation, there was a... An old, uh, like, a, what's it called? Game show channel. Oh, nice. Supermarket Suites was on, and there was a gay couple on, <laughs> but they were roommates, you know? Wink, wink, oh, like nudge, an nudge. old one. Yeah, an old, like, from the 1980s. Oh, my God. And they dominated. Yes! They dominated. That's our people. The Hets did not know what <laughs> Fucking this guy with a mullet coming down with seven sausages. Oh my god. Oh, so I good. love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Moon Oink is doing it right. Yeah. And I want to get some catfish from them. I certainly would go there if I lived in Chicago. Mm, I wonder if they're still around. I hope so. I hope so. If you're in Chicago and you've been to Moo and Oink and tasted their fine meats... I guess. <laughs> uh, let us know. Let us know. Accurate at gmail.com. And if you have a local ad you want to share with us, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. At creeps at gmail.com. Yeah. Or on Twitter. At adcreeps. Or on Instagram. At adcreeps. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Now, we are halfway through, halfway through Despicable May. How Indeed. are we doing? <laughs> well, it's been pretty fucking despicable so far. Well, the uh, next, you, we're actually recording back to back. Uh-huh. This one's been an hour. <laughs> so, uh, folks, the uh, next week's will be a doozy. It's not going to get any lighter. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, we're here and also the minions are here. And we love you. Yes. Until next time, we are signing, signing off. Here comes a day. When I'll be the one you'll see It's gonna It's gonna be Despicable Bay But first, word for my spouse Oh. oh. No, that's no. not going to happen. Don't again. have it.